Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. Artist Nicholas Cole. Vincent Ingala. Jonathan Fritzen. And news with the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Hello and welcome to the evening edition of Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. the Jazz Queen. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Seku Bunch Picture. That will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485, 646-716-5485. And I want to welcome the guests that are already in the chat room. Welcome and thank you for tuning in this evening. Uh, my guest this evening is bassist Seku Bunch. I kind of ran across his music by accident a couple of years ago, so I'm really happy to have him on the show. So, Seku, welcome. Well, thank you, Terry. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. So let me explain how I came across your music by accident. Um, I, if This was during the time when... Um, the Bernie Mac show was on TV and the Cosby show mm-hmm. was on. And I was doing some research on Camille Winbush, who played Bernie's niece on um, right. the Bernie Mac show. And also uh-huh. on Denny, who played um, uh, Troy Winbush, who played Denny on the Cosby show. And I was wondering if they were related to Angela Winbush. So I started doing some research. I found out that Camille and Troy are brothers, his brothers and sister. But I was wasn't sure about the relationship with Angela, so maybe you can tell me, is Angela their aunt? Pardon? Angela Winbush, is she the aunt? Of, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't know, I wouldn't know that, and I don't want to be uh, quoted as saying yes or no. Okay. Because I know quite a few Winbushes, so, and, and they're not related to Angela, but uh, the two people you mentioned may be. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I still didn't get the answer to that question, whether or not they were related to Angela. But in my search on YouTube, searching um, for Angela's music on YouTube, I came across your uh, song, Smooth Sailing. And that's how I found out about you. Yeah. Yeah. Angela actually wrote that song for Ron Wisely. Right. And uh, uh, back in the day, we performed that song a lot uh, live when I performed with both Angela and the Isley Brothers. Mm, okay. So it was one of my favorites, and I thought I'd cover it when I did the Next Level record, something just easy listening for folks that can't take the heavy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed that um, song, Smooth Sailing. It has become one of my favorites of yours. And um, well, so, you. yeah, that's how I kind of came across your music by accident. So I'm happy that I did. Um, so Wonderful. now your Seku's current CD is called The Next Level, and so tell me about this CD, and he sent me some music, so I'm going to play some songs from that as well. But tell me about The Next Level, um, you know, the the inspiration behind it, and all of the amazing, amazing artists that are on the CD. 
Well, the next level, it, it was the, the next level in my career as a player because being a side man and playing with numerous headlining groups and everything and, you know, being a pop, R&B, funk, and jazz player, I found it necessary to incorporate uh, a lot of my uh, creative writing on the next level record, and it took the music up a notch. You know, it wasn't your typical, uh, if we were grooving, we were going to groove real hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going to be, we, were, we weren't trying to groove for shoppers at the mall. And uh, we were taking people to, I wanted to take people to the next level and listening to music because during the late 80s or, or all the 90s, the, the jazz music had gotten toned down a bit. For, for whatever means, uh, and I came from a, a era from as a child from Ella, you know, uh, Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, you know, all the old Blue Note stuff. I came from that school as well as uh, the Stacks, Motown, and all the funk era, and also I was an artist with uh, on Sugar Hill Records when the rap era started. Mm. So, uh, during before that time, I had gotten with Tom Brown, and we were both headlining uh, and jazz and funk, one of the only groups to have uh, simultaneously number one hits on the jazz and the pop uh, R&B radio. Okay. Funk Jamaica and Thighs High were big-time favorites, and Tom had the Love Approach album, and we would, do, we would go from clubs, maybe 200 seat, seat, seat clubs, even down to 150 to 20,000 seat arenas every week. And uh, we were on, co- on tour with the Commodores, Stacey Laddershaw and Zap, and big groups like that, uh, major tours. And then we'd go to uh, the bottom line in New York or we'd go to uh, uh, the club in D.C. Uh, what's that club there? <laughs> um Small clubs, you know, we'll do that and pack them out. So I came from a, var- a very, and then I was on tour with George Howard, who really ushered in what they call smooth jazz today, mm-hmm. uh, the in- instrumental music, and we were headlining everywhere and opening up for Chikoria and Miles Davis and Wayne Shorter and, and things like that. And, uh, and I went from there to uh, Anita Baker, and then I migrated out to California and uh, started playing with Michael Jack, Quincy Jones, and Lionel, and all of those folks. So I had a good, well-rounded uh, background in music. So with the next level, I wanted to incorporate those experiences in the music that I was writing, as well as in the talent that I summoned. Uh, such greats as uh, Will Kennedy from the Yellow Jackets, we were on tour with them. We are good friends. Uh, we, George Duke, Stanley Clark, uh, Angela Wimbush, Boney James. Uh, um, I, we were together before he was Boney James. <laughs> uh, and uh, we were on tour with Randy Crawford. Well, his name was Jim Oppenheim at the time. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I brought all of these folks in that I had my... Uh, later years in music experience as well as my earlier years on the record 
Rodney Franklin is on the record. And I knew him since I was a teenager back in New York mm-hmm. uh, when he came to tour there. So I had a lot of relationships with some really heavy hitters. Yes, you did. And I read that you initially started off um, on the guitar at a very young age and uh, switched to the bass. Yeah, I, I saw my uncle's guitar that my aunt bought him, and I, I fell in love with it just the sight of it. And I asked him to teach me when I got old enough. And when I did, I couldn't borrow the chords. I couldn't play chords. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, is there something else I can play? <laughs> ah. He said, you could try the bass. And the minute I picked the bass up, it was instant. Oh, okay. Fell in love with it, huh? Yeah, it was really instant. It was instant. <laughs> and uh, that's how I began playing the bass. And now, how old were you when you... Um when you started performing with Tom Brown? I was about 18 years old. Uh, I met him just out of high school and uh, auditioned for him at my loft in uh, Manhattan where I lived. And uh, he came down. I played his whole record for him pretty much verbatim. And he said, you got the gig. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, it It was right out of high school. And so and you, time, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, during that time, that's when I was, you know, I was living in Brooklyn. Uh, well, I was living in Manhattan at the time, but I was raised in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens. And during that time, when I met Tom Brown, I was introduced to all the session players because I met Dave uh, Gruzin and Larry Rose, who, who started GRP Records. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met the likes of uh, uh, all the artists that they had on, Angela Bofield, Dave Valentine, and, and those people. And then Marcus Miller, he was already there. And when I got there and we met and became friends, Bernard Wright, all of the guys from Queens, we got together and we started playing a lot of, doing a lot of recordings. Bobby Broom, uh, guitar player Bobby Broom and Poojie Bell. A lot of us were doing a lot of the recordings for GRP. Wow. You are, you really have um, worked with some of the greats in the business. Mm. Wow. Now, I have to ask you about Luther Vandross. He is my all-time favorite um, mm-hmm. R&B male singer. And so what was, your, what was the experience like working with him? Oh, my God. It was incredible. I knew Luther from the New York. You know, Luther was uh, quite a few years my senior. And uh, I actually went to the same high school he went to, but he was there years before I was. I went there for a brief time, but a lot of that clique, they were considered our older brothers, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. they were already, Luther already was on, had done Sesame Street with Nat Adley and all of that, had already been singing with Bette Midler. So when I met him around the Never Too Much days, you know, I always admired his work and everything, but uh, I didn't get to work with him until years much, much, much later. But we were familiar with, with, with each other's work, and you know, from in the neighborhood and knowing each other and going out with all the bandmates that he had playing for him. I played around New York uh, with those guys, so we were already a family. But I wasn't really close with Luther uh, until I got on the Nita Baker tour. 
And during that time, I had a choice to play with either Nita Baker or Luther Bandro. So it was a toss-up because Byron Miller, uh, you know, we, Byron Miller and myself were both out here, and Luther needed the bass player, so the choice was either Byron go there or go with Anita. So it worked out that I got Anita Baker, and he went with Luther, and we toured uh, together and got very close while on tour. Oh. And then years, yeah, and then years later when uh, Byron was doing the uh, Vibe show on television, uh, he was committed to that, and so Luther needed me. And so I joined Luther back in 97, and we did a host of tourings around the world. And uh, it was, you know, that school of music and playing, if you ever seen any of his shows, oh, yes. they're just uh, exquisite. It's a delicacy. To oh, play yes. with, you know, as far as R&B, it's a very, uh, it's a conservatory school of music where you will learn how to play a note. <laughs> <laughs> and you will know how to play it right, you know. And you better not mess up. Mm. And, if you mess, and if you mess up, you better have meant it. So, oh, my gosh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did a, I did a big note. Uh, we wasn't supposed to go, and Luther looked at me. If he had darts, I would have had them all in my body, you know. But <laughs> it was a big moment in Superstar, and I did this big boom, bang, and it was so dead on, but it was in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, you, I, I live in Las Vegas, and whenever Luther came here, I went to see him. So um, I'm sure you were probably with him at one of those shows, playing with him. I didn't know who you were oh, at the sure. time, but I tried not to miss a Luther Vandross concert at all. I loved yeah. him, absolutely yeah. loved him. Yeah. And did you know he that his, his – um, go ahead. No, no, he's just a classic, a classic ass. Uh. Yes, definitely, definitely. And his backup singer, Kevin um, Owens, uh, wrote a book um, about his time with Luther, and I'm I'm waiting for that book to come out. It's called So Amazing Through the Eyes of Kevin Owens. So I'm just waiting for that to come out so I can read that because I I just want to, you know, learn all I can about Luther. Well, that's great. That is great. Um, I have a question for you from the chat room. Ali, welcome to the show. Ali wants to know, out of the people you played with over the years, who did you enjoy playing with the most, the top three? I'd say Luther Vandross, the Isley Brothers, Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones. You know, so many people. It's hard to really say because I've had my hands on, you know, with the with the greatest, you know, Ray Charles, yes. Stevie Wonder. I mean, you can't just say top three because they're all were, were mm. great. But you know, I did have some memorable times because I did a twenty year stint with the Isley Brothers. Mm-hmm. So that that was like family, you know. And so, so was Luther growing up with him in New York, and then going on tour with him, and then. When I came to the West Coast, you know, I had to meet the West Coast group of people, you know, and the session players, and they were a fabulous group of players. And uh, in those relationships just made me a better musician. And so I appreciate that experience of being in L.A. as well as my upbringing in New York. Sure. And, of course, other places that I've visited throughout the country, and I've learned from a host of unknown musicians 
who are just some of the fabulous that you would ever hear uh, play instruments and, and create. So um, it's hard to say the top three, but, you know, I have my favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as I just started naming them, I had to keep going because there's more. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's like I can't it's leave hard. out in vogue. I mean, those girls were a beautiful set of young ladies, and I did two tours with them, one with Luther and one on our own big tours. And uh, that was a heightening moment in my career because they were very huge mm-hmm. uh, during the quartet girl group. Uh, yes. during the 90s. So that was a huge uh, experience, you know, playing with the girls. And uh, I loved them. I always thought of them as the modern-day Supremes. I loved them. Yeah, they were. They certainly yeah. are. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and now I read that you um, was awarded your first certified gold record. Now, was that during the time you were with Tom Brown? Yes, it was. I played on the album Funkin' for Jamaica, actually. A lot of people okay. thought I played the bass because uh, I'm in the video and I was a musical director and on tour with Tom Brown and I did play the bass on the gig and in the video. But Bernard Wright played the synthesizer bass on the record. I played on a song called Forevermore and that whole album went gold. So I was awarded my gold award uh, for being on the album. And then I went to co-write Thighs High, which was Tom's second major hit. And it was covered by Coolio many years later and sold multi-platinum copies uh, around the world. And uh, that was his second, and I I played on that and uh, and co-wrote it. Okay. Now, I, I asked you about the gold record because I'm wondering if you were like 18, 19 when you got that. I was uh, 19, just turning 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And uh, you walk across the stage and receive the award, and what was that like? Well, you don't do it like that. When you're a session player or a band member, uh, when you get your gold award, it comes in the mail or you pick it up from the record company. You know, I mean, you know, they. it's not like a Grammy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's listen to some of the music here off of the CD, The Next Level. That is his current CD. And um, Ali does have a question whether or not you're working on a new CD. And yes, he is, Ali. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But um, I'm going to start with um, the song that I was introduced to Seku um, by. It's called Smooth Sailing. Tell me about this one. Sekou? Oh, yeah. Did you want me to talk about it? Yes, please. Oh, okay, sure. I thought you were playing it. Uh, yeah, Smooth Sailing was written by Angela Wimbush. And uh, during the day that I worked with her, we did that in the repertoire. And uh, Boney James was in the band, and so was Tony Maiden from Rufus. It was a star-studded band. Rodney Franklin was in the band. Uh, Ernie Isley, Marvin Isley, you know, and I played bass for the Isley Brothers. And that was one of the showstoppers, you know, crowd sang along, and I thought it was really a Isley Brothers favorite, especially mm-hmm. that Angela Wimbush had written it. I invited her to uh, perform on the record with me. So it's her song, so she came in and did her vocals and did a fabulous job. 
and then I called Boney James and had him uh, play sax. So it was reminiscent of when we were on the road together. And he was already, you know, in full full blast in his career, so he was very popular and well-known now. And uh, so when we recorded it, it was fun, you know, bringing these guys together. And uh, and Rodney Franklin, of course, uh, is on the record as well, too. All right. All right. This is called Smooth Sailing. It's from the Next Level CD.
bum, 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 bum. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was smooth sailing from Seku Bunch's The Next Level CD. Why did you end it like that? <laughs> well, you know, I thought about being on a cruise on the Caribbean, you know, and stars out and the moon out, and the stars were twinkling, and so I had Rodney put that little cliche on there to just uh, give people a sense of uh, smooth sailing. Oh, wow. Of the nighttime, you know, from the daytime sailing into the night. Right, right. Wow. Well, yes, that's how I came across Sekou, and that's how I was um, introduced to his music. I found that by accident, Smooth Sailing. I like that song. Always have. Always have. Now, okay, so now can we talk a little bit about your acting career? Um, because I did come mm-hmm. across um, some movies that you were in, Bird and Coming to America. Um, but what role did you play in Coming to America? Well, that was my first uh, movie, my first experience in movies when I came to California. I may have been about 28, 27 years old. And uh, I got a call to do the movie, and uh, I was a diplomat in the wedding ceremony when Eddie Murphy was looking for a wife with uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway. Okay. Who, by the way, her and I were in Dreamgirls in New York together. Mm. Okay. And that's how I knew knew her from back then. And quite a few people I knew already. And I had met Eddie uh, actually out here in California, not in New York. And uh, so that was my first flick. And then I went to do some television series, China uh, China Beach, Super Carrier, and uh, did Roadhouse, and did uh, a movie called uh, Wild Orchid 2. I had a role in that movie, and, and I did uh, Bird that Clint Eastwood directed me in. And uh, so it was nice, you know, being able to do that, being in Hollywood. And uh, I had a knack for it, but I just didn't like waiting around all day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I like being really busy. And I wasn't a principal or, a, you know, leading guy or a co-act, you know, co-star or anything. So, uh, but there were significant pieces to be in. They were great all-time favorite movies. And I was glad to have been a part of that. And so I had my share of doing that early on, as well as playing on soundtracks. Well, next time Coming to America comes on, I'm going to have to pay close attention and look for you. <laughs> for yeah, sure. you got to look for me. A lot of people in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then what about Dreamgirls? Well, Dreamgirls, the original Broadway play with Jennifer Holliday, Shirley Ralph, Bondi Curtis, and Obar Babatunde. We had everybody. Uh, uh, Loretta Devine, all of us. We were very young. I was probably the youngest. I was only about 21 years old and the orchestra played bass. And uh, we all met there and, and did a good run uh, while I was in New York. And uh, it was very, you know, very nice. And I was fortunate when Beyonce uh Jamie uh, uh, Fox did the uh, mm-hmm. movie version. I was fortunate to be in a few scenes in that movie. So, that was kind of like full circle, uh, being a part of the movie as well as the original play. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You've gone from acting to 
your music, and I also read that as a young child, you were also an artist. You drew. Yeah, I did a lot of oil paintings, and I did a lot of portraits. Um, I was about seven years old and pretty gifted, and my work was entered in the Museum of Art. And I won a few awards for my work, and I went to the High School of Art and Design later on in my early high school years. And uh, uh, But what a lot of people are not aware of, uh, I had a dance review when I was a kid from age six to about maybe 13, and um, I'm part of the, one of the original break dancers out of the Bronx who danced mm-hmm. for the same famed DJ Cool Herc. You know, we created that style of breaking. And uh, I'm glad that I was one of the pioneers of what they know today as break dancing, believe it or not. So not only did I do art, I danced a whole lot. And my brothers and I, they had a group, and we had a James Brown review type of group. I did the James Brown and the whole act and everything, and uh, we did this winning contest all over New York. And then by the time I got a base in my hand, I stopped doing football, basketball, <laughs> chasing girls. <laughs> and I still danced. You know, I went to the clubs and danced because I love dancing. I still got my groove off dancing and stuff, but by that time I was making records, and so I was able to dance to the records I was making, which was which mm-hmm. was a gas. Mm. To to hear yourself on big speakers and people are dancing to your bass line, really, it's okay. something to be. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, go ahead. Finish what you were going to say. Something. It was just something to to cherish, you know. Something to, to you know feel good that to be have been a part of, you know. Yeah, yeah. So outside of uh, working with Tom Brown and on that LP. Do you remember the first time you heard your music on the radio? Oh, yeah, it was mind-blowing, and I heard it every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laugh and I go, oh, my God, I can't believe this, you know. And it's just, and when people recognize you and you're playing, uh, you know, this before the Internet, and people knew mm-hmm. who I was and what I did, and, you know, uh, they'd wait for you in the next as soon as you got there, they wanted an autograph. They knew who you were. They greeted you. And it was really a warm feeling that they appreciated the work you've done, you know. And these are people that, had I not been touring or traveling, I would have never met. And all around the United States and the globe. Yeah, so yeah. So that, you're hearing that is really chilling. Mm. Oh. I'm talking to bassist. Seku Bunch. His current CD is called The Next Level, and uh, he is working on a new CD. I'm going to talk to you about that, Seku, right after this next song. I love this cover of Sun Goddess You Did. Tell me about this song. Well, yeah, I'm an Earth, Wind, and Fire fan, and of mm-hmm. course, Ramsey Lewis fan, and when they did this song with them, I remember one summer back in New York uh, in the Bronx, we must have played that song 50 million times. We must have worn out needles on that record. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my favorites. And so I thought about what song I could cover that Earth, Wind, and Fire did. They did so many. And since that was one of my favorites, uh, I wanted to put my spin on it and just give it a real jungle groove, you know, and uh, something with an edge to it. And so 
I decided to invite my friend Stanley Clark, my mentor and friend, uh, to to play, uh, to support me on lead tenor bass. I play a piccolo bass, and Stanley plays the tenor bass. And so I invited him on, and he came on and uh, just wore it out. So we had fun putting that together. Okay. I want to read something that Stanley said about Sekou. He said that Sekou is truly one of the unsung heroes in the bass world. He is an extraordinary bass player, composer, arranger, and band leader. His new CD shows this to be true. And this is Sun Goddess from the Next Level CD.
Man, y'all killed that song. That is hot right there. Oh. Sun Goddess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Thank you. Who's, who's on the saxophone? That is Steve Allen. He's out of California. Uh, Dynamite. He's on uh, Take 5 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, my single, Take 5. Uh, uh, he plays sax on quite a bit of the record. Okay. Yes, I like that like that one a lot. Again, I'm talking to Sekou Bunch. His uh, current CD is called The Next Level. Um, he is working on new music. Tell us about that. Well, currently my newest uh, CD I'm working on has been quite a challenge because we're trying to fill some big shoes, and that is of Michael Jackson. I, uh, after his death, I decided to assemble some of his greatest hits along with his friend, friends of mine and his to do what I would call one of the, a blockbuster record, and we're just about finished, and it, it's it's dynamite. Uh, we have some of the tape pick members, Howard Hewitt, Ollie, the late Ollie Woodson, the late Ricky Lawson, oh, Penny Ford. Well, we have a host of vocalists, uh, dancers on it. Uh, we did some audio things. Uh, and um, I'm the executive producer, and it's my newest CD. And uh, we put out a few, uh, we released a single about a year or so ago just to, you know, uh, let people know what we were doing called Beat It. And I did a spin on all the songs, so they're not like the originals. They're, mm-hmm. they're all in the same, same key. Some of them have different tempos, and some of them have the same tempo. Okay. And uh, it's a dynamite piece. Everybody that's heard it loves it. Can't wait for it to come out. It's my biggest piece yet. It's my best, one of my best recordings. Okay, so you mentioned Howard Hewitt. He's another favorite of mine. What is he singing on it? He's singing Billy Jean, mm. and he killed it. He's, he's killing it. Him and take picks there on there, and he's killing it. And so uh, when people get a load of when they hear that one, it's going to blow their minds because it has a nice twist to it. And uh, it's going to be a new favorite for Michael Jackson fans. That's going to be good. And the, the single Beat It, you can listen to that on CDBaby.com. Um, it has yeah. a rap vibe to it. Who is the rapper on it? The rapper is Supernova Slam. Mm-hmm. Who's what I who I would call a holistic rapper? Okay. He has very positive energy. He's about wellness, and his uh, mother is Queen of Fua, the health holistic health uh, guru on health for Black women, and uh, it's his mom. And uh, he and I met while we were performing for Bill Crosby's group on the Jay Leno show. Uh, he was part of a rap group, and I. So he was dynamite, so I invited him to do my version of Beat It, and uh, he wore it out. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. And I don't follow rap, but that's a nice one. I like that um, a yeah, lot. I wanted, to give a, I wanted to give a variety. Uh, you know, when I first started to do the record, I was going to do instrumental because I'm an instrumentalist, but I mm-hmm. said that wouldn't be fair to Michael Jackson because he was a vocalist. Mm-hmm. So it turned into one of those back on the block Quincy Jones records. <laughs> okay, and when do you expect to release that? In June. 
in June. Okay, well, we definitely would like to have you back on to talk about it. Oh, certainly. I'd love to uh, send you a copy and and uh, hear your comments. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, I want to play one more song before I let you go, Everything I Miss at Home, another favorite of mine. Tell me about this one. Oh, oh yeah, that's a favorite of mine. You know, Jimmy Jam, Jay Lewis mm-hmm. produced the original one with uh, Sherelle and uh, Alexander O'Neill, who I played for and recorded with as well. And uh, I wanted something reminiscent of the 80s during the era when George Howard was covering a lot of people's music. And it was dedicated to him, to George mm-hmm. Howard. And uh, some great soloing on there by Steve Alanis and Roman Johnson. And uh, I just wanted I, I, I wanted to keep it authentic with the vocal. And I wanted to play the lead on the te- uh, pi- uh, piccolo bass. Okay. So it's definitely one of my favorites. I love it. So do I. Everything I miss at home.
Everything I Miss at Home. Great job, Seku. Great job. Love well, that. Well, thank you, Terry. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I like this music on the CD. It's called The Next Level. Let everyone know where they can find your music and you. They can find it on CD Baby and Amazon. Uh, they can order it uh, online. Uh, I'm soon to erect a new uh, website. They'll be able to get more materials and information on me uh, okay. within the next month or so. And uh, just look for me. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, and follow me. Uh, you know, add me as a friend on Facebook. I'm uh, user friendly, so uh, about uh-huh. the music and about about goodness and life. I'm about it. Okay. All right. Now, Seku spells his first name S E K O U, and what does that mean? That means leader and warrior. I was named after the great uh, African president Seku Toure of Guinea. Okay. who uh, deceased okay. in 1965 in Cleveland, Ohio, when I was living there at the time. And my parents named me after him. Oh, okay. So I, was, uh, I felt very honored to be... Uh, he won the Africans of Guinea their independence from French rule in that region. Okay. Uh, they were under, you know, the French and Spanish and the Europeans all over dominated parts of Africa. Well, the French dominated Guinea, and he won them their, he won their independence from the French uh, rule over that okay. nation. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, I have to mention this. Um, for you Survivor fans, you would know this, but Sekou was a contestant on the um, one of the Survivor episodes. Tell me about that. Oh yeah, that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty epic. It was the biggest show of all time, over thirty something million viewers, and uh, it was the battle of the races. And I was part of the African American tribe, and they had the uh, Caucasian tribe, the Asian, and they had the uh, uh, Latino tribe, and we all competed, you know, for the million dollars. And fortunately, uh, and unfortunately, I was the first one voted off the show. Uh, I was the eldest at the time of all the 20 contestants. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my favorite all-time experiences in life to be able to be in the outdoors and compete and be televised and to have people see it all over the world and be known all over the world for taking such a courageous move. And having fun about it, you know. Yeah. And that's what life is about. And uh, some people take it very seriously. And But everything I do, I do it seriously, with, with, but with fun. <laughs> so it was really a great experience, uh, CBS calling me. And they wanted a jazz musician. I never petitioned the show, and I thought they were taking a band on the road. And I asked them, well, what studio? <laughs> <laughs> and they... They knew I didn't get it, so they said, you need to go check out the site. So once I did, I said, well, are you taking a band on the road? What are you doing? They said, no, we want you to, to compete for a million dollars. I said, are you kidding me? Mm. I, started looking for the, I started looking for the punk cameras in the restaurant I was in. <laughs> and uh, since there were no cameras, I thought that perhaps they were being very serious. So I followed up on it, and they chose me, and I uh, met the producers, and uh, they signed me on, and it was, uh, great experience of a lifetime. Oh, wow, I bet. I bet. And you also wrote a, a song entitled Survivor for the finale, and you performed that as well. 
I saw yes. the video of that on YouTube. Right, yes, I sure did. I did yeah. a, a little song, my little contribution uh, for such a fun experience, and uh, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So you can see that video on YouTube, um, Sekou Bunch Performing Survivor um, on YouTube, so check that out. Can you repeat that? It's breaking up a little bit. I was just saying that um, for the listeners, they can go to YouTube and look at that video, Survivor, um, of you performing that at the uh, finale, on the finale show. The, your question is, did I perform it on the finale no, show? No, no, I'm letting the listeners know that if they want to see you perform that song, Survivor, on the finale show, they can go to YouTube and look at the oh, video. Yeah. yeah. Sure, they can. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you, Sekou. Um, I'm going to close the show with the last song, um, Don't Take Too Long. Tell me about this one. Which one are you going to play? Don't Take Too Long. Oh, yeah, that's a great piece. That's my daughter singing the lead. Oh, okay, cool. Brooke Bunch, yeah, she sings the lead on that. Okay. All right, good, good. All right, well, thank you again for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Um, That was Sekou Bunch. His current CD is called The Next Level. It's available now on Amazon and CD Baby. Um, You can follow him on Facebook and on Twitter um, under Sekou Bunch. Thank you to Ali J and the guests in the chat room. Thank you for tuning in and listening this evening. Um, This is called Take Too Long. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen, and I look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. Thanks again, Sekou. Thank you, Terry, and good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our website, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind.